Hi everyone and welcome back to Seldom Make History. My name is Hannah and today we're going to be discussing another woman in history. Today is the 18th century, so let's dive in. Jane Franklin, the youngest daughter of Abiah and Joshua Franklin, was born on March 27, 1712. The youngest of 16 children, her closest confidant throughout her life would be her youngest older brother, who we've all heard about growing up, Benjamin Franklin. But this is not about him, it's going to be her story. There's nothing much on her childhood, but I do know that she learned to bake, sew, mend, and do dye work and garden works. She could also write. Her beloved brother Benjamin taught her, but the lessons ended when he ran away in his teens, and she was now probably about 12. But here's a snippet I found in her biography that she once wrote her brother with, quote, I read as much as I dare, end quote. And this is important, as back then in 1710, three in five women in New England could barely sign their names, and two in five could barely write anything else with a pen or quill. So Jane is among one of the rarities because she could write. On January 6, 1721, Benjamin Franklin turned 21 and wrote his sister Jane a letter which, when she was 14. It had been more than three years since he'd run away. It started with, Dear Sister, end quote. This would be the first of many. Not much is known on Jane until July 27, 1727, when Jane at age 15 married a man named Edward Meekham. Not much is known how she felt about him, nor why she married so young. The legal age was 16, but most young, men, but, sorry, but most young women were wed at 21. Like a recurring theme in many women's lives, there's such little information on Jane and her own emotions and thoughts on the matter. But we do know this, as it was written in her own hand in her book. It's called the, her Book of Ages. It recorded her birthday, her husband's, and the day they were wed. It was also added two years later the birth of her first child, a son named Joshua, born on June 4, 1729. She named him after her father. But as so many babies did back then, her son died two weeks shy of his first birthday. In 1731, she recorded in her book of ages the birth of her second son, who she named after her husband. She recorded, quote, Edward Meekham, born on Monday the 29th, March 17th, 1731. She called him Nettie. Just months later, she gave birth to her third son, who she named after her beloved brother Benjamin. She called her son Benny, and she again recorded this in her book with, quote, Benjamin Meekham, born on Friday the 29th of December, 1732. On March 27, 1733, Jane turned 21, and that year her brother Benjamin gave her a gift. It was called the Ladies' Library. When her son Nettie was four, her son Benny two, Jane wrote again in her book of ages with, quote, Ebenezer Meekham, born on May the 2nd, 1734. Her days were full of washing, scrubbing, soap making, and child care. When her son, who she called Eben, was only four months old, Jane was pregnant with her first daughter, who she recorded in her book of ages with, quote, Sarah Meekham, born on Tuesday, ye... Sorry, born on Tuesday, ye 28th, June 1737, end quote. I wrote all her quotes in her own hand, the way the book was written, so I apologize if it did sound a little less than ideal, but I wanted to try as much as possible to remain authentic to her, so I did write it out all in her old-fashioned hand. But back to Jane. By 1738, her husband was in debt. They were, they were rather poor, and her husband had borrowed rather three pounds from a man called David Colson in June. Since he didn't pay him, David took Edward to court to settle the matter, and Edward didn't show up. So the judge sided with David and made Edward pay six pounds. He never showed up for this again, and Jane with her young children had to meet the sheriff, and the sheriff had to seize either six pounds or six pounds worth of goods. He seized a wooden horse, a form used for making saddles. This wasn't the end of his debts, and while they waited for the rest of the courts, Jane and her family left her family home in, in January 1738. It was for the first time in her life that Jane had left her home. 
They rented a house on Sudbury Street from a printer, Samuel, who charged them 25 pounds a year in rent. They did not stay there long. They did not stay there long. By the fall, Jane was once again pregnant and recorded with the birth of the book with, quote, Peter Franklin Meekum, born on Ye Lord's Day, May the 13th, 1739, end quote. In June, when her son was only a month old, sheriffs came looking for Edward for failing to pay a debt to a doctor, and since they didn't find him, they seized their horse in a payment. It's unsure where he was, but her book was assumed that he was in a debtor's prison. It must have taken a huge loan to get him out as he borrowed a lot from his father-in-law and never paid him back. It's unknown how or what Jane did until her next record of another of her children's births. Quote, John Meekum, born on Tuesday, March ye 31st, 1741. End quote. To help with her growing family and her incompetent husband, she began taking boarders as a means of keeping her family afloat. But the money wasn't hers and she couldn't keep it safe. Everything she owned belonged to her husband. So that means if he racked it up in debt or spent it, there was nothing she could do legally about it. She recorded again her Book of Ages with, quote, Joshua Meekum, born on Friday, March ye 26, 1743, end quote, another son named after her father. In May of that year, her beloved brother Benjamin Franklin came home from New England and stayed with Jane, but it, was, but it seems that they got into an argument while he was there. Her letter to him is lost, but we have his reply, and in it he told her that it wasn't a big deal and they mentioned religion, so it would be wise to assume the basis of the argument was on Benjamin Franklin's faith. In January 1745, Jane's father passed away. He divided his estate up to his children, leaving a generous sum of 30 pounds to his son, Benjamin, and left very few to his daughter, Jane, who, remind you, was struggling in debt and was the one who cared for her father in his sickness. Benjamin wouldn't have it, though, and he gave it to Jane. In the spring, Jane gave birth to another daughter and her namesake, also named Jane. She recorded with, quote, Jane Meekum, born on Saturday, April 12, 1745. Not long after, she recorded again, James Meekum, born on July 31st, 1746, end quote. So now to recap, she has nine children, Nettie, Benny, Sally, Peter, Johnny, Joshua, Jenny, and now James, who she called Jemmy. Sadly, little James didn't live to see his first birthday as she recorded, quote, died November ye 30th, 1746, end quote. A year later, she gave birth again to another daughter named Mary as she recorded with, quote, Mary Meekum, born on February 29th, 1747. She called her Polly, though, which was rather common back then. In 1748, Jane turned 36 and had been either pregnant or nursing with barely any pause since she was 16 years old. And can you imagine that? Baby after baby, poverty-stricken, and with a rather incompetent husband. She truly was one tough lady. But, while as her brother Benjamin Franklin was sending his papers on electricity to London, Jane was pregnant for the twelfth time. Later, he sent her six copy of his work, five to distribute in Boston, one for her to keep, which she did and wrote on it, quote, Mrs. Jane Meekum, her book, end quote. After this, she took out her book again and wrote, Abiah Meekum, born August 1st, 1751, end quote. It was her last child. She had given birth to twelve children, but poor baby Abiah didn't live. She died of smallpox outbreak on April 23rd, 1752. Two weeks later, she buried her mother, who she named her poor baby daughter for. She recorded, quote, My dear mother died May 8, 1752, end quote. Not even a few weeks later, the house she had lived in with her parents was put up for auction, although I read by 1753, Jane was still living there. Her brother Benjamin had visited her there that same year. After he left, Jane and her family moved to Hanover Street in November, 1753. By the 1750s, Jane's older sons had grown and started working, and she worried about them, particularly her nettie, who was 26 and complained of feeling sickly. Jane often wrote to her brother Benjamin on her son's health as he took Benny to apprentice as a printer. Her other son, Eben, was 22 and soon to be married and lives in Gloucestershire. 
he wanted to be a baker and open his own shop. Her younger son, Peter, who was 18, worked with Jane's older brothers as a soap boiler, but he struggled a lot due to what is believed mental illness. Interesting, the first letter of Jane's that survives, according to her biography, is a letter dated not to her beloved brother Benjamin, who she received her first letters from since she was 14, but to Benjamin's wife. It's from January 29, 1758. She wrote that at 45, so according to her biography, over three decades of her letters are lost. But this one survives, and in it she apologizes for her poor writings with, quote, I'll pray pardon my bad writings and confuse his composure and accept it as coming from your ladyship's affectionate sister, end quote. They would write to each other often. It wasn't just Jane who would apologize, though, for her spelling. Deborah, Deborah, Benjamin Franklin's wife, would also write Jane with, quote, I have endeavored to make as good as a letter as I could. Don't let anybody see my letter as I write so bad, end quote. And just reading those lines, it, it fills me with such sadness, but also, like, oh, I can't even name it. Like, you come across this a lot, particularly in... Uh, American history, but I know probably others, but I'm only best in that. But anyway, it's a recurring theme. Women and their lack of education. And they'll apologize to these brothers of theirs, or their husbands, who are these great, quote-unquote, great writers, and they'll apologize for their lack of education and knowledge. And I just want to be like, you don't have to, because either they don't know how to write, they taught themselves, or they tried really hard to do it. And with a lack of education, even though we have some of their writings and some of their letters, that's amazing. And I wish it, it wasn't like, oh, they didn't write, or oh, they weren't as smart as their brothers. It's not true. They were not given an education to even attempt to write. So even that they do, and we have these letters that survive, it's, it's, it's so important, almost as important as those grandest letters and those amazing works of their husbands. In my personal opinion, it's more important because they show the actual lives of these women who are the whole half of humanity. And yet we consider it lousy work or we consider it poor writings or bad writings or they weren't smart and they just, oh my gosh, (laughs) I could go on for hours. I had to get that out, but sorry, back to Jane. So she'd often write the same worries to her brother Benjamin in her letters, often concerned that she wasn't properly expressing herself. And while on the topic of letters, it seems few consider her letters of any importance. She's not had the time to copy her letters, and nor was she famous a man like her brother. So like so many others, few survived, and it's hard to describe her life in her later years, but I'll try my best. So here goes. She, re- she received a letter on September 16, 1758, with the beginning lines being, quote, I received your favor of June 17th, end quote. He sent her two letters and a picture of himself. This is her brother, Benjamin. Not much alone until she wrote again her book of age with, quote, My eldest son, Ed Meekum, died December 7th, 1758, end quote. He was only 27. Four years later, she wrote again with, quote, January the 18th, 1762. This morning died a worthy and dutiful son, Ebenezer Meekum, end quote. He was only 26. It assumed they passed away from tuberculosis. It also would be taking the lives for other children and her husband, Edward, Edward, John, Polly, and Jenny later in life lose so many children and a husband is was common back then but is still very devastating to endure that when jane was in her 50s she wrote again her book of ages quote june the 12th 1764 died a beloved and deservedly lamented daughter sarah flagg end quote she left four children jane mary joshua and sarah her daughter had died at 27 years old her young children came to live with jane 
She wrote again in the fall with, quote, November 9th, 1764, died under my care, my daughter Flag's youngest child, aged 17 months, end quote. Despite all these hardships and now being a widow, Jane tried really, she tried really hard, honestly. She took up many different things. She tried to make soap. She visited her sons and she attempted to be a dressmaker, but that didn't really work out. Her life was still one of poverty, but she did try to get out of it. And the war was now beginning. She had to flee Boston with her grandchildren. She left first to Cambridge, then to Warwick, Rhode Island. She left at the age of 63. In a trunk, she carried her brother's letters and her book of ages. She arrived in Warwick and stayed with a friend named Catherine Ray Green. She had written to her brother Benjamin, asking him to come see her if he was able to. Benjamin Franklin was busy with Congress, but also anxious to hear from his sister. His letter, sorry, her letter, which she wrote on May 14th, it wasn't until June 17th that he received it, and he was worried of how she had fled Boston and wondered if she'd be safe, as the day he wrote to her, shots were fired and the Battle of Bunker Hill was happening. It's believed Jane's son Joshua died soon after this, as he was a soldier. On October 16th, Benjamin wrote from Washington's headquarters in Cambridge, asking her if he wanted to take her to his home in Philadelphia, and he wanted to reply from her if she wanted that. The next week after this, after his letter, he rode to Warwick. They hadn't seen each other in 11 years, but together they traveled to Philadelphia. By the end of October, they reached his home. In 1776, after the British left Boston, Jane considered going back home, but in a letter to Catherine Green, she decided against it with, quote, I am afraid Boston is not significantly fortified yet, end quote. In the fall of that same year, Benjamin left for France and Jane was left in Philadelphia. She tried to find her remaining children, but in the chaos of war was unable. She left Philadelphia in the fall as the British came. She went back by August 1777. Throughout the war, Jane believed that had taken the lives of two of her sons, her poor boys, and it made her very distressed, often writing to her brother on her plights. Jane again had to leave Philadelphia at the end of September 1777, but by October she had made her way to war Rhode Island again. But she didn't stay with her friend Catherine, she stayed with her daughter Jane. Jane, her daughter that is, was a sickly and anxious woman who her mother worried about and urged her daughter to keep working as her husband was unreliable. She also kept her mind on her other son, Peter, who had been mad since the 1760s and stayed under the care of a woman in the country. She was also worried that her daughter, Jane, was becoming as mad as her brother. It's believed Jane's children and her husband suffered from mental illness. I am unsure of the type, but it does seem likely that that is the case. And back then, it, it was not really understood, so they were just called mad. In the late 1770s, she was living in Rhode Island, close to her friend Catherine and living with her granddaughter, Jenny Flagg Green. Although her health was beginning to fail, she loved being around her great-grandchildren. Jenny, her granddaughter that is, had four children in just five years. Celia in 1777, Sarah in 1779, Franklin in 1780, and lastly, Jane, born in 1781. Jane, that is the grandmother, <laughs> and the lady we're discussing, her days were spent and she would visit many of her children. She'd visit Cambridge to see her daughter and granddaughter. It would seem at last Jane was at peace, but death still followed her as her beloved granddaughter Jenny died of tuberculosis in, on April 1782. Jenny begged her grandmother to raise her children. Jane at 70 agreed, but her friend Catherine worried for her. She would spend the year with her great-grandchildren and the winter in Cambridge with her daughter Jane and granddaughter. That spring she'd lose her baby great-granddaughter Jane. She also received a package from her brother, who at this point had it written in two years. Not of neglect, though, but as the chaos of war, letters, it was hard to come by. But he did send her an anonymity, so that she'd never have to worry about money again. I actually think it's an anonymity, but I have never said that before, so my apologies. In January 1784, Jane moved into her home that she would live in until she died, a two-story house in Unity Street in the north end of Boston. 
Her brother Benjamin had owned the house in 1748, although it had been rented out since then, the money went to the care of Jane's mad son, Peter. After the war and Boston being safe again to live there, her brother decided to give her the house, writing that she would consider it hers with, quote, and I hope you will be happy in it, end quote. Finally, freed in a way she had never been before, she often visited her friend's church, and although in poorer health, she made a habit of walking as much as she was able. In January 1785, her beloved, her beloved brother Benjamin was 75, and Jane herself was 73. She wasn't pleased upon hearing her brother would be the post-president of Pennsylvania, which is like a governor. It was because of his health and age. She wanted him rested and at peace. But despite this, they kept up their letters. Now they arrived within days instead of months or even years. I'm sure that probably pleased them both greatly. Throughout the 80s and into the 90s, she kept in close contact with Benjamin with her grandchildren. Benjamin often worried for Jane, she for him, as they were both into old age. On March 24, 1790, Benjamin would write the last letter to his dear sister. He thanked her for fish she had sent him, and he inquired on their childhood and family. And in a sad irony, he once, asked, he once did what Jane did so often. He apologized for his crooked writing, his crooked writing with, quote, P.S. is early in the morning and I write in bed. The awkward position is occasioned to the crooked lines, end quote. Benjamin Franklin died on, on April 17th. A man called Richard Bach sent her the news. Jane wrote this upon the news with, quote, My dear brother supplied all. Every line from him was, was pleasure. And, quote, While he living was to me every enjoyment. End quote. According to her biography, the last letter of Jane's is dated August 11, 1792. In March of 1793, Jane turned 81. On Wednesday, May 7, 1794, Jane Franklin passed away in her home. No one knows where she's buried. And that's so sad. Maybe she's buried with her parents, by her brother, somewhere else. But we don't know. Before her death, she gave her papers to an archivist and her books to a librarian. Her book of ages went to her grandson, Joshua Flagg. He, on her last blank pages, recorded his own life and those of his children. Sadly, over the years, Jane faded away. They remembered and wrote biographies on her brother and she faded into the background. What was recorded was improved upon, her spelling that is, and I feel it gives a disservice to her. She was uneducated, yes, and it's probably quite hard to do, and it's, it was quite hard to read, as I myself struggled with trying to pronounce some of the stuff. But we have to remember that she did not have an education. She tried her hardest, and for that, I think, it should not be improved upon, but kept in remembrance for her strength, not for her lack of writing. And yet hidden, she was remembered by the amazing writer of her biography, which I relied so heavily on, and a man called Van Doren. He wrote a biography on her as well. He called it a belated act of justice. And now I and you guys know her story too. A hidden gem of a life and a beloved sister. A woman who was strong despite all the hardships she endured, and someone who rightfully deserves her place alongside her brother in history. I hope you guys enjoyed Jane Franklin's story. I really did enjoy it, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can find sources for this on my Instagram, as long as pictures, if I'm able, and her writings, if I'm able to post them. And I will share them if you guys, if I can. So, bye!